Being a skeptic is about not taking anything at face value. To be a skeptic is to question, to seek answers, and to struggle with the human experience of not knowing certain things. Being a disciple is about digging deep into the teachings of Jesus and progressing in both understanding and practice and eventually to lead others in the way of Jesus. To be a disciple is to follow using our minds, but also our actions, and in doing so also placing our faith in the good news of Jesus. Welcome to the Skeptic Disciple Podcast. Okay, cool. So we are recording... And I almost oh, feel like we should just continue this conversation about social justice instead of doing this whole thing on Noah. But I don't know. At some point, at some point, we should have a whole social justice episode. I wonder if this should just be it. Should it? I feel like <sighs> you're not ready. Hey, we can do. I think we can do two. Epi- no, I am ready. I get, I'm always ready to talk about this topic. But I think you want to do two episodes: um, one on the actual thing, think, and then. I think One we can record current events. If you're up for it, I think we can do two episodes this week. Okay. All right. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Okay. okay. So we'll we'll knock no out of the way because I'm tired of sweating about it. <laughs> I just, just want to get it over with. All right. So welcome back, everybody. We have an interesting an interesting story to deal with today. I. Uh, Told you guys. Well, I told I told you, uh, Brian, that I yeah. I posted a uh, a poll today, earlier this morning when I woke up. I was just like, man, I forgot to do this yesterday, but I still managed to get quite a few answers. And uh, we are dealing with the story of Noah and the flood. And man, let me pull it up right now because it was interesting. Um, I felt like okay. So uh, I the question was. Uh, I'm genuinely curious uh, about your thoughts on the flood and Noah's Ark, and I posted like four possible answers. Uh, the first one was uh, that the flood was a literal worldwide flood. second one was that it was a localized flood, meaning not worldwide, it just happened in a specific area. Uh, the third option was that it, this is not a literal story, maybe, maybe it's a parable of some sort. And the last answer was, uh, yeah, that's absolute nonsense. <laughs> and I, I accidentally set it as a quiz, and I accidentally set a correct answer as being uh, the last option of <laughs> absolute nonsense. <laughs> so anyone who actually participated and put anything other than absolute nonsense got a little message that they got the answer wrong, and then the correct answer was highlighted as absolute nonsense. That is awful. Henry, I think it's important <laughs> to point out that, that that quiz was done on Henry's Instagram. Um, yes. <laughs> if we do future quizzes, maybe we'll make a page, do it on a page that's just dedicated. So, to, so yeah, we do have a page that's just dedicated to yeah. our, but we only have about 10 followers, and I figured um, I'm only going to get about 5% participation. Yeah. Um, but you know, um, people listening might not know about it because we've never plugged the social true. media on here. That's true. So, so skeptic yeah. disciple uh, on Instagram, you can just search us. Yeah. 
and uh, it's a it's not a private account, so you could just go ahead and follow us. I know I noticed a few people that that followed us that we don't know personally. At least I don't know personally, but thanks for adding us and following and listening. Um, hopefully, uh, you're enjoying this as much as we are. But uh, but yeah. Anyway, so the I had wait ten four six. That's twenty. I had twenty one uh, responses to the poll. 10 of which said that they think it's a literal worldwide flood. So that's about 50%. Four people said it's it's a localized flood, meaning just in one area. It's not worldwide. Six of you said it's not literal. Maybe it's a parable of some sort. And one of you, a very brave soul, said this is absolute nonsense. <laughs> uh, and I salute you for being brave and answering that question. Um you know who you are. Anyway, um, so, yeah, I thought we might get answers all over the board, but I did think that the literal worldwide flood answer would be the most popular. I don't know what you thought, Brian, but it seemed like you were kind of hinting at the same thing. Yeah, I feel like usually it goes 50-50. It's a controversial story for a few reasons. A lot of A lot of the sciences are really against this story being literal adamantly so like even even geology and so it's not a story that's easy to defend just so you know just see just so everybody knows brian brian seems to really struggle with this story i don't like this story for several reasons um I don't I don't like it as a literal story. I don't like it as a figurative story. I don't like it as a fable. I just don't like it. Because it's hard for me to extract good from this story. And one could argue that the good is in the end when God makes the promise. But even the promise always seemed twisted to me. It's like, I promise never to murder you this way again. Um, <laughs> okay, so just, so, just, just for some context, we're talking about Genesis uh, chapters 6 and 7. It might be yeah. good to go over a general synopsis of the story. Not that there are a lot of people that don't know the story, but, you know, just to... I mean, sure. Okay. Yeah. So th- towards the middle of chapter 6, uh, verse 11 of Genesis 6.11 says, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw that the earth was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted its ways upon the earth. And God said to Noah... I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. Now I am going to destroy them along with the earth. Make yourself an ark of cypress, uh, cypress wood, make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. And then we have lengths of the ark of 300 cubits. It's uh, 50 cubits wide, and it's about 30 cubits high. And he tells him to make a, a a roof and finish it, and he kind of leave sort of a window crack area above and put the door of the ark on its side. Uh, basically, very like detailed instructions on how to build this thing, which uh, most illustrators tend to draw out or picture a boat. Um, but if you really look at the the dimensions, this thing is a is a box with a window on it. It's like a square, yeah. Yeah, it's it's more of a, a rectangular thing. And then God says, For my part, I'm going to bring a flood of waters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which 
there is breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you, and of every living thing of all flesh you shall bring two of every kind into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Of the birds according to their kinds, and the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing on the ground according to its kind, to every kind, shall come into you to keep them alive. Also take with you every kind of food that is eaten and store it up, and it shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all of that. He did everything that God commanded him. And chapter 7 just kind of does a little bit more of a recap. Uh, but essentially, we have God uh, looking down on humanity uh, this is barely chapter 6, Genesis. Uh, we have the fall in chapter 3. And God looks down and all he sees is violence. He sees people being violent and corrupt. And then God basically decides, I'm going to uh, destroy, I'm going to destroy them. I think it's chapter 7 where he, uh, God says, no, no, no. It just seems like, I'm, if I remember correctly, there was a part where God said something about I've I basically regret making them. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, I do. It's hard to forget. It's, there's also some discrepancies between how long the flood actually was. Um, mm. There's two different accounts of it in the Bible, which which kind of leads one to believe that the uh, the flood story was written in two parts and then fused together, mm. consolidated. Um, mm. Are you talking about chapters six, fifth, uh, six and seven? Yes, they're a little inconsistent with each other. They're not very congruent. Um, yeah, but they're made, they're made to look congruent. Yeah, so we have some sort of thing that we saw happen in Genesis one and two, where we had two stories that were essentially about the same thing, but were not consistent with each other. Correct. Yeah, I, I think the the main thing that I noticed was in chapter six, just. Like the, what God tells him to take is a pairs of every animal, and chapter yeah. seven he says there all of a sudden he introduces clean and unclean animals. Yes, um, which is interesting. It, it initially, yeah, initially it starts off with two of every kind, and then they change it to two of every unclean, and I think like seven pairs of every clean animal. Right, right. Yeah, and um, again, you know, we're we're looking at possibly stories that have experienced editing post-exile and all of that stuff because really we don't have the laws about clean and unclean animals yeah. until later, you know, during the exodus. Yeah. My, uh, my sense is that someone very orthodox came in and read it and said, if we put two of every kind, it gives equal importance to all animals. Let's stress that. The, the clean are more important, so put seven of those and then two of the unclean. But, of course, that's just a thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, we're, uh, we're speculating, but it, it doesn't make sense why you would have this and not have it not come up later. Um, again, it, it, just, it just comes back to what, how we think of these things. But, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a difference here. But I think the most problematic thing is the idea that God decides that he's just going to clear the earth of all humans because it's just, yeah, yeah. What, what is that? Is that the problem you had with it? The, the problem I have with it is it almost undoes everything we said in our episode about creation because 
essentially what this is is this is an anti-creation story right this is this is almost like i regret making everything that i once labeled as good and i'm going to return it to to resemble almost the form of of chaos in which i found everything yeah um, you you know what i think you caught on to something that i didn't and I want to go back to that. I just want to point this out. So it's Genesis 6, verse 5 and 6, what I'm going to read. It says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of humankind was great in the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made humankind on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out from the earth the human beings I created, people together with animals and creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I made them. Yeah, uh, but Noah found favor in the sight of the Lord. That basically sets it up. And you caught on to something that I just noticed: the theme of there was chaos, and then God came and called out of chaos what we know to be good in creation. So the earth was shapeless and void, and uh, covered in water. And mm-hmm. then what happens in the flood is that God creates chaos on Earth by flooding it. So essentially we have, water, yeah, so. he covers it in water again. So essentially, yeah, like you said, it's kind of an anti-creation uh, story, kind of like saying, I'm going to just start start off with a clean slate. I'm just going to erase this thing that I, that I made that was, I regret, I regret it. So I'm just going to start over again so yeah that's that's problematic it uh it leaves us with the problem of do we believe in a god that regrets humankind and is willing to just erase us off of the face of the earth and not only us but the animals with us yeah yeah it was like what did what did they do i mean i could I could maybe justify him like wiping out all snakes, you know. But, <laughs> yeah. But what and, about all and, the other animals? And that's, and that's the thing. I have not to brag on this story, man, but it's like I have an issue with it logically as well because I might understand it if he absolutely wiped everyone out. There's there's no one left who is a reminder of sin. Okay, but. As we know and believe, every human, as righteous as they are, carries the seed of sin. They are a descendant of Adam and Eve. Noah, even though he found favor, he still carries that seed, that plague with him. Um, It still lives in him. And as righteous as he may be, him and his descendants and his descendants' descendants are still descendants of Adam and Eve, the people who bit into the forbidden fruit. Right. And then... Yeah, on a logical level, I'm like, does this actually solve the problem? And I, yeah. I, I, I feel that it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, and I think you're you're seeing inconsistencies in the story. I think that many of us who've grown up in the church have grown up with this story as a very, uh, you know, gentle type of kid story. But even then, when you start looking at the kid stories, we're like, what in the world just happened here? Like everyone dies, and uh, you know, we happily tell the story <laughs> to kids uh-huh. but um but yeah i i mean i have i have an issue with this story my take is that this story is not literal that uh the story of the flood i don't i don't ascribe to it as being a literal worldwide flood 
and I'm saying this at the risk of having people say that I do not take the Bible seriously. But I think I think to take the Bible seriously, we really got to dig into it and and really talk about the problems in the Bible. Uh, for example, this story. And I think we were discussing this story earlier, and we mentioned the story of Gilgamesh or the Epic of Gilgamesh, yeah, which is an ancient Near Eastern story that Mesopotamia Mesopotamian story that I believe predates. Perhaps this story that was written. It's considered so, the oldest story ever written. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Okay. So yes, thanks, thanks for that. Uh, yeah, it is. It is the the oldest story ever written, of which the most intact version we have that was found in uh, the ruins of Assyria, and we can read that story today, an English translation of it. And the parallel to the story of Noah and the Ark is, like, extremely similar. I mean, even down to it having rained six days and six nights, and then it stops on the seventh. We have, basically, Gilgamesh is talking to one of his ancestors, I believe. His name is Upnatishtim, I think. I don't remember exactly, but he is basically the Noah character in that epic. And he's telling Gilgamesh the story of the flood and, and how things happened and how the gods uh, decided that they were going to wipe out you know, the people uh, with a flood. And one of the gods uh, overhears this and warns this man and tells him what he's what's going to happen. And so he tells him, like, you need to do this, this, and this. You need to build, essentially, a boat, an ark, and put into it uh, two of every kind of animal, and that way you can survive. Uh, after six days of rain, uh, it stops, but you know they're still out in in a flooded sea type of situation, and so they send out a bird. Um, I believe it's it's the exact same birds that Noah sends out dove, in Genesis. Dove and a raven. A yeah. dove and a raven, and it it, it matches like. You, it's like it's the same story you're reading. It's just the gods are are different. So we cannot ignore that. And if you've never heard of the Epic of Gilgamesh, like I highly encourage you to look it up, Google it, search it. Maybe I'll post a link on our uh, Instagram page or website so that you guys can look at it because it's it's almost exactly the same. Now, you know, some people will say, well, that just proves the biblical story is is correct and we have the true story. But also we have to struggle with with the fact that, you know, Brian, you just mentioned, like it actually is considered the oldest written story uh, to have been found. So it it kind of calls into question what what are we actually reading? And to the Hebrew people, would that have been a story that they would have uh, known, you know, quite well? Is it a story that they would have been very familiar with? And I think. I think for the most part, most people do agree with the fact that they were very aware of that story. And even to the point where when the scrolls, the Dead Sea Scrolls were found in those caves and those jars where, you know, we found copies of, you know, the book of Isaiah and things like this. They actually found the Epic of Gilgamesh there with 
all the other scriptures, Hebrew scriptures. So that's just to say, you know, they were very aware of the story. This was like a, a classic story in their in their environment. And it could be that there was I mean, there was periodically floods that happened in that area. I mean, if even if we think about modern history, we've had crazy, terrible tornadoes that have flooded entire cities, uh, even in the United States. And I think this is more of a, I, I want to call it more of a parable uh, about what f- flooding really uh, felt like for many of these people. And and the Epic of Gilgamesh is a, a very good example of how humanity tries to rationalize what they experience based on their beliefs so that, you know, floods are catastrophic events where people, lot, people's lives are lost, animals are lost, and we are left wanting explanations and answers to why did this happen um so it makes sense that they would you know have a story explaining you know this happened because of this and this and this the hebrew people having common ancestry with you know everyone else like it just makes sense that they would also carry that story and at some point you know adapt it to their view of god and again i just want to say like a lot of these stories if you follow even the Old Testament, there is a progression of understanding of who God is, such that God in the very first chapters of Genesis does not appear to be the same God later on in the Old Testament. And even the New Testament is really a, it's a, uh, it really shakes up what uh, even the Hebrew people had believed for ages about God. So I just want you to be aware of that when you're reading the story. So yeah, it's it's problematic, and I think I agree with with Brian. Although although I think you've you've maybe have had trouble with this story for longer than I have. The and here's the trouble. I I'm okay with everything you just said, but the issue in thinking of it as a parable is typically a parable has has a moral behind it, and not that there is no moral here. But when it comes to getting that moral and holding it up in the light of who we know got to be, is does that does that moral hold up? I think you're right. I think you're Bible? right. I think I misspoke when I called it a parable. I don't think I can even uh, I can't even justify that based on the way that I'm reading. Mm. It's honestly a story that has been. It's like it's such a pervasive story. I mean, think about it. Like we, we it's a ancient Mesopotamian story that have, has been found in multiple different sites, including the in Qumran, the where we found the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah. Um, it, it's such a pervasive story that there is no way that I think the Hebrew people would have been able to just simply avoid this story. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like in, in much the same way that um, we are so saturated with popular culture that we cannot ignore it. I think that that is them dealing with with that same type of thing. And I'm willing to believe that that this um, 
this story infiltrated the culture of the ancient Hebrews, but there is there is a strong belief in the Christian community that everything in the Bible is there because God wants it to be there, right? Like it's it's divinely inspired and made, and put together carefully. Um, True. So if this if this is a story that originates from another culture and another people's religion, and we go along with this line of thinking that God wants it in there, regardless. The the question then is, assuming we believe that, yes, is why does God want it in there? I think it comes down to our perspective on what scripture is and what it isn't. Okay. Also, I want to say that I have a problem with this story. I have a problem with what I, what I just said, which is going to sound weird, but oh, no, no, I, have, go ahead. I have a problem with what I just said about the possibility about where the story came from. Um, and not necessarily with what I said about, you know, it being popular in, in those cultures, but later on in the Gospels, Jesus refers to referring to the last days. He says it'll be like the days of Noah and where people were, you know, basically living their everyday lives and not knowing or not believing that God would execute judgment. And so the lens that I look at scripture through is uh-huh. through Jesus. Yes. Okay. okay, and so when I'm looking at the Old Testament, I'm reading it, and I'm I'm filtering everything through the gospel, and uh-huh. Jesus mentions this story, if he mentions this story, and I believe that the gospels do the best they possibly can to, you know, accurately tell the story of Jesus, then that means that Jesus took this story seriously himself. Right. Okay. Now, I acknowledge that Jesus was both human and divine. Mm-hmm. I I think that Jesus did believe in the story or was very aware of it because it's part of his religion and culture. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he's speaking from a divine perspective of saying this is uh this is this is what happened. And, uh, you know, it might happen again in in the sense that you won't know or you'll be, you know, just fooling around doing your own living your own lives when God comes back and you won't you won't even, you know, listen to anything anyone's telling you Um, or or Jesus was simply using what they believed in to make a point. And I, I just I don't know. All I know is that from what the way that Jesus speaks about this story is that the Hebrew people, the Jewish people in his day took this story to be a literal story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I have to be very uh, conscious of that because what that means is that Jesus is treating it as a, as a literal, literal story. I don't know if, if Jesus in his divinity knows that perhaps the story is, is not true or perhaps he knows it is true. I don't know. To some but, degree, it's it's irrelevant, right? Because what we do believe is true is that this whole show is going to end at some point. Like it's not it's not sustainable. This whole us on Earth like being cool and like doing whatever we want is going to come to an end one day. And yeah. It so, it won't be pretty. 
Exactly. Right? What I'm saying is Jesus' point wasn't to prove the fact that this was a literal story. Jesus was assuming that his audience already believes that they are literal. So he's just using, look, this is what happened in the past. This, you know, like he's just using it as a, as an analogy, I guess, just like they were in the story, you know, continuing to live their lives this is the same thing that's going to happen. And essentially what he's referring to is God will at some point make things right. God will at some point look down on us and look at the violence that we perpetrate, the corruption that we cause or that we are involved in. Our indifference to justice and, and God and, uh, and righteousness, uh, it, our indifference to it will be the same as what's described in this story where God looks down and the only person he sees that is, is, uh, is at least trying to live life in a just way is Noah. Mm. And Noah is the only one that listens. So God will talk to him. And and so for me, from my background in biology and looking at paleontology and, and looking even at, at uh, uh, geologists, even the geologists and paleontologists can't seem to figure out their dates correctly. They don't they don't agree on on things on their scales of whatever. Um, but even looking at that, I don't I don't see a scientific support for a worldwide flood. And some people will yeah. disagree adamantly. And I'm just going to say, look, I was one of those people that disagreed adamantly. Like, literally, there is nothing that I can pull out that I can prove to you that there was a worldwide flood. Like, I know all of the anomalies and fossils and kinds of stuff. I know all that stuff. But it still is not sufficient to sway someone to to basically have them believe that this was a worldwide flood that, that occurred. There is a lot of evidence for large local floods in uh-huh. in the in the fossil record and uh-huh. even in geology in large parts of western united states was is believed at some point would to be underwater completely uh, monument valley is one of those geological areas um but i think again just like we were talking about the creation stories earlier this argument of whether this is literal or not literal is irrelevant to the actual spiritual message that is being conveyed through the scripture. And so... And you know, as, as you're saying this, I, I come to the realization when Jesus references Noah and he's talking about the end of time and the end of earth, it would, it would make more sense then to look at the story of Noah not as a parable, but almost as, as the story of prophecy. Yeah, in the sense that, yeah, in the sense that you know, God is 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 trying to trying to get us to look at things a certain way, and we can consistently refuse. And if we look at all the prophets, humans consistently oppose God, or choose some other thing besides God to worship. Yeah, this is essentially it. And and what is it that God sees that is wrong with humanity? What is it that causes him to regret creating him in the story of Noah is violence and corruption. 
it's it's uh, humanity just perpetrating evil. And so, you know, that's Jesus is saying, you know, at the end of, at the end of times, it'll be the same way. Uh, violence and corruption and and all these things will continue on, and you will continue planning to live your lives here forever and try yeah. not to even listen to God or or what is right or what is good or even try to live it. And that's when God's just gonna, you know, He's gonna show up, and that's why it's like He shows up like a thief because people don't even care. And at that point, that's when God shows up and just takes care of things. No, I, I do think that's the most useful way to see that story, because I I honestly don't imagine that this story is about talking about why rainbows exist or or topography or animals, you know. Um, right. I don't think right. God put it in there so that we can like, oh, here's here's like several pages on why we have rainbows, you know. Um, I, I do think it goes a lot deeper than that. Yeah, it does. I think we make it super simplistic when we say, uh, oh, we, when we take it and we're like, we want to use it as proof that God exists. And that's the thing. Yeah. It, it I, always goes back to that argument about proof. Right. And so, you know, I think I have to consistently think about the fact that the Bible is a human product. Um, you mentioned God wanting this story to be in the scriptures. That is a difficult uh, statement because even the, yeah, early Christ, the early Christians had such a hard time deciding what books do we put in the in the canon or not. Mm-hmm. You know, canonization is basically like picking apart what they already had from Scripture and saying these things are inspired and these things are not. These things are God's yeah. work and these things are not. Well, God wasn't specifically telling them like this is and this isn't. So that humans to decide what was and was not divine. Yeah. And and at the end of the day, you had two camps. You had the Eastern Orthodox Church that, you know, decided we want these other books in it as well. And then, you know, the other Christian groups were like, no, we don't want those in there. And so we have, you know, we have two versions of the canon, essentially, where we have the Apocrypha and and books that, um, that pro- the Protestant Bible, for example, does not include. So mm-hmm. that's a whole different discussion. But I think a lot of our issues that we have with certain stories and interpretations is because we hold on to this belief that the Bible came somehow directly from God's mouth. And, uh, you know, I just I, I just I can't believe that. I just I just can't. I have to understand that it's also a human product. It's uh, God can speak through it, but I think at the at the when we get to the point where we elevate Scripture again higher than God, then I think we or higher or at the same level when we make Scripture God, then we end up having all these really difficult situations. I don't have a problem with people that say this is a literal story. I I am concerned though on how mm-hmm. they communicate that to people mm-hmm. i agree i agree Be- because that you know there there are people that have made it their career to study the flood and to prove simply to prove um it's it's validity i i want to be like fully transparent and say that i 
I had trouble with this story. This is one of the biggest like challenges for me personally. And I've, I have read some of those books of those people that spent most of their lives studying and trying to show that the the flood was an actual, actual thing. But I just want to say that even those books don't come to a an actual proof. Like it's, Well, it's, it's not about proof. I mean... Exactly. It's like what I was holding on to was if, if the Bible is not true, then maybe everything I've believed is a lie. And that, that was, uh, terrifying to me. Yeah. But luckily, luckily it's not so black and white. Yeah. Luckily it's not so black and white, but I think, you know, it was a process of going through that. Uh, it took some time and my faith was shook uh, but when I when I really thought about it after you know several months maybe even years, you know I wondered, is what's being shaken my faith in God, or my faith in certain parts of Scripture? Mm-hmm. That's important. And 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 is that the same thing? Yeah. And I came to the conclusion quite quickly that the scriptures are not god uh that god does not need the scriptures to exist i read him and i think the 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 story or the part of scripture that most convinced me of that was the story of abraham and god calling abraham out of everything that he knew to follow him and uh, they begin this relationship, and Abraham does not have the scriptures. He does not have the Bible. All he has is God, and he begins to get to know him. Uh, so I think that, honestly, people can experience God. God can genuinely transform people's lives even without the Bible. Yeah. But I do believe that the Bible is a history of that kind of thing happening. And so it gives us a really good anchor to, to, to think about God uh, from. But, you know, again... It's, it's, it's funny. You know, uh, I, I'm reminded of a long time ago. Dude, I was, I was still a teenager. I was young. And this is back when the Catholic scandal was going on. And we found out all these priests were in the middle of an investigation, molesting children. Yeah. And, and I was still Catholic, and I had a very Catholic view of God and religion and the Bible. And I was I was kind of shaken, because I'm like, this isn't representing what I thought it did. And I started really thinking hard about my beliefs and realizing I don't think I agree with the stuff I believe, which is a weird feeling, but... It, it caused this like rift in my heart and I I thought like like you said previously I'm like well if I don't believe then I'm what's the other choice it's being atheist and I said to myself well okay I guess I gotta I have to this is weird but I'm like I guess I have to tell God I'm an atheist now and I started <laughs> praying I started praying like the irony didn't hit me yet um I started praying and talking to him and mind you up to this point in my life, I'm used to saying prayers that are basically recitals. Yeah. Like yeah. They're, they're words that I didn't come up with. 
Yeah. And but for the first time, I'm praying in my own words, like totally honest, like cussing and everything. And I was like, I'm here to tell you, I don't, I don't, I don't believe you're real anymore. And as I'm saying the words, I'm like, I'm like, who am I talking to then? I'm like, I'm, but I'm talking to you. <laughs> I was like, I don't really believe that I don't believe in you. And I'm realizing this this feeling that I'm feeling that I labeled as atheism isn't a disbelief in him, but a disbelief in in the construct in which I put him in, you know? Yeah. I don't believe in the temple I put him in. Whether yeah. it was created by me or by others or usually a joint project. Yeah. Um, I was like, okay, my my lack of faith is not in you, it's in basically everything else it's like and it's that story where uh who was it was it david that wanted to build a house for god and god's like i don't i don't need your help like i don't need you to build me a house like it might have been solomon yeah yeah it's like you know so like it could, it could never be big enough yeah yeah i'm god <laughs> like yeah. dude yeah but, you, but you know it was it wasn't until then that i actually like started reading the bible without any kind of like like I dropped Catholic thought, I dropped any kind of religious thought, and I was like, I'm just gonna read it like as Brian, and it was like, it was it was wild. It was just like wild. Like when you when you read it and you just drop pretense, it's kind of um, fascinating. So, in line with the theme of this podcast, I would say, it's it's totally okay to question these things, and if anything, like the safest place to question these things is is with God and I think I think he welcomes it because I think he he's wanting to provide answers that sometimes and this sounds controversial but sometimes that church cannot or or yeah, religion no, cannot. I, I see what you're saying and to be honest in my personal experience it's felt that way too every time I've questioned something that felt like oh man like I don't know where it's leading and Maybe I'm gonna lose my faith. What end? What ever, What's ended up happening each time is that God manifests Himself in a way that I have never thought before, and uh, I actually feel my faith deepen. Yeah, and, and get strengthened. And not only that, but I feel I can see how. Now, I don't need to defend the Bible. Yeah. And I don't need to defend God. And yet I feel like I can better uh, relate to people who are not believers. And I can better engage them in conversation about these things. And like I said, my belief in God is, is there it's present and uh, it's not uh, boxed in into this temple that we've made out of the scriptures when God is clearly bigger than them. And I think like I've said before, Jesus says, you know, you search in the scriptures because you think that in them you have life, but they testify about me. And that's really the lens that I look at scripture through and everything else and so the story of noah you know regardless of where you fall in what you believe about it 
you have to acknowledge that it's a difficult story to reconcile with reality and uh, people that question it. Um, and uh, I don't know where you stand on that. And you might be freaking out right now because you're thinking, oh, man, they're like tearing the Bible down right now and they must not believe in God or, you know, their religion or whatever. They're throwing that out the window. But um, or, or there might be people who have heard this story several times, never actually read it themselves. And to them, I would honestly say, like, maybe turn the podcast off and go read the Bible and go, like, struggle with it. <laughs> like, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think you point yeah yeah. So the basically our goal is honestly to 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 read the the Bible just like Brian said. Like I don't want to read it as a Christian or anything. I just like I just want to read it as myself. And honestly, the goal is to have you, uh, the listener, pick up your Bible and actually read some of these stories and see whether you agree or not. And you know, what do you really think? How do you relate this story to your reality? That and is as a, as a, yeah. And as a personal side note, I, I have found it useful to preemptively say a little prayer and just tell God, like, hey, I'm about to read the Bible. Guide me through it because I bring a lot of my own biases and I've, I've heard a lot of stuff, third hand, second hand yeah. about these stories. But like, yeah. seriously, just help me out here. And yeah, yeah, it, it, it at least puts me in a certain state of mind. For me, I, I must, I must agree. Like I, reading the Bible for me has never been uh, simply a, a, a like a scholarly, academic thing to do. Reading the Bible is so interconnected with my faith that I cannot open the scriptures without thinking about what is God doing here, what is God doing through it with me and prayer is a really important part of that whole process wherever i've been even at the moments where i've really seriously doubted the existence of god (laughs) i've i've prayed um yeah and i think that's really made the difference for me in in processing all of the the things that uh that you have to go through when you start thinking about things like this so, yeah, uh, Noah's Ark is a, uh, I don't know if you'll ever catch me preaching on it. No, I think it's good. I think uh, we said everything at least I would want to say about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it is what it is. It'll remain the way it is. And who knows, maybe we'll get some more clarity about it in the future. But it, it's a problem. We have to admit it. And, but it uh, has its place. It has its place. It has its place. It's just it's problematic. Yeah. It's gonna give you a hard time. Uh-huh. So anyway, um, I don't really know what else to say about it. <laughs> I think we're good. But uh, thanks for listening and sticking with us. Some of these stories are are pretty pretty out there. So um, just hang in there with us, and uh, we'll hope to have you again next time. Thanks. Yeah. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Again, music by Ketza, found at freemusicarchive.org. I just wanted to remind you that we have an Instagram page. You can find us at Skeptic Disciple. That's our username there. And also, I wanted to let everyone know that we started a Twitter account as well. Uh, We'll post updates on there. And one of the best things about Twitter right now is that I can uh, post 
links to things that we've talked about during the episode. So for example, today I posted a link to the entire Epic of Gilgamesh. In case you want to uh, look into it, um, you can read it there. And uh, yeah, just uh, thanks for following and listening, and we hope to have you again next time. Blessings, friends.